Well, have you ever uh, assumed something about someone or more specifically assumed something from someone, but because you did not speak up about your assumptions, that led to some conflict or disappointment. Uh, be careful when you look at someone during the sermon, by the way, just a little word of advice there. Uh, like we all make assumptions about people and things, right? Nothing wrong with that. That's part of being a human being. Uh, the problem occurs when we don't communicate our assumptions and it leads to conflict in life. The ball gets dropped, disappointment happens. Now, before I get too far into my sermon today and to help out with some assumptions about who I might be, uh, if you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. I'm so glad that all of you are here with us today. Uh, if you are new and you assumed I was the lead pastor, congratulations on being correct. And uh, hopefully by the end of our time, your assumption will not lead to disappointment for, for you, but I can't make any promises uh, about that. I also want to say hello to anybody joining us on video, uh, whether you're here in the building today or online uh, sometime later. Just uh, thrilled that you're making Element Church a part of your day. Now, back to our uh, assumptions. Most of the time, we don't speak up about our assumptions because we believe that our assumptions are so obvious, they are so foundational that of course they know what I'm talking about. Of course they know what I expect, and so we don't speak up about it. For instance, I am a very literal person. That is sometimes a positive and can be a negative thing. Uh, like the other day, I was doing dishes at our house, cleaning the kitchen, and I came across this thing among the dirty dishes. It's a handheld blender dealio, I think that's what you call it, a handheld blender thingy, that's the official term. And uh, I didn't know where it went. So I, I took it to my wife in the other room and said, hey babe, where does this go? And she said, on top of the fridge. Now for the literal people in the room, where would you put it? On top of the fridge. So to help prove my point here, here's a picture of our fridge at home. Notice the small gap between the fridge and the cabinet above the fridge. And to make my point further, here's a picture of this on the fridge. It actually fits perfectly. <laughs> now I'd never seen it there before, but I thought we do have limited cabinet space. And so if she wants it there, I'll put it there. So I put it on top of the fridge, finished doing my, my cleaning, went on with my day. A few days later, same process, cleaning the kitchen, doing the dishes. This was there again. And I hadn't noticed it on top of the fridge for the last few days. So I took it to my wife. I was like, just for clarification, hey, babe, where did you want to put this? And she did this. <sighs> on top of the fridge. I was like, I assume you mean in the cabinet above the fridge. She said, yeah, I found it on top of the fridge, to which I said, that's where you told me to put it, right? <laughs> now, I won't ask for a show of hands to prove that I'm right, who agrees with me or my wife. No, don't raise your hand. That'll cause conflict. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, assumptions, when not spoken on, can lead to conflict or disagreement. Now, thankfully, my wife and I years ago might have caused conflict. We laughed about it. It actually was pretty funny in our house. We were joking about it even, even last night again. But if we don't speak up, it causes problems. So he, here's why I'm leading with this today. We're in the third and final part of a sermon series that we've been in all summer long called Glory. In the series, we're walking through the last five chapters of the book of Romans in the New Testament portion of the Bible. Just reminder, Romans was a letter written by a man named Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. It was a letter written to Christians in the town of, of Rome. And in, in the Bible passage that, that's going to be our main scripture for today, 
As I was reading it weeks ago, preparing for this message, it just appeared to me as if Paul was speaking up about some assumptions he had from the people he was writing to. Uh, they appear to be baseline expectations, if you will, but he wasn't going to leave them unspoken. He wasn't just going to assume he was speaking up about them. Now, so far in Romans, like Paul has challenged, really challenged these, these Christians pretty hard on some things. And all of his challenges are really rooted in, in one verse that we've made our theme verse for the series. It's the last verse of Romans chapter 11, right before the final five chapters of, of Romans. Romans 11, verse 36. We might even have it memorized by now. But it says this, for everything comes from him, that's God, exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Help me out again, say glory. glory. You're gonna be sick of saying glory by the end of the summer. All glory to him forever, amen. I love this verse. That, that because of God's glory and for God's glory, we should live changed lives. God's glory changes us. That was part one of the series. Part two was God's glory unites us. Paul challenged these Christians that even though you have differences, even though you have disagreements by God's glory and for God's glory, we can and should be united together as his followers. And then part three, we started last week and we'll end it in the next several weeks here that God's glory gives us a purpose. If you have a Bible or a Bible app with you, go ahead and turn to, uh, to Romans 15, 22 through 33, or 23 through 33. It's our main scripture for uh, today. If you don't have a Bible with you, we always put the verses on the screens there so you can follow along there. If you don't own your own Bible, one of my favorite things we do is give them away for free. So if you don't own your own Bible, ask for one in the lobby. We'll get you one free of charge. We are literally picking up where we left off last week, okay? And I gotta be honest, I really, really wrestled preparing for this message, just knowing how to handle it. How do we apply it? And here's why it was a struggle for me. In the section of scripture that we're in, Paul is really just sharing some personal words to Christians in Rome. Like as we read it, you'll see they're, they're not really instructional in nature. There is no theology. Paul does not command them to do or not do anything. As I said, what stood out to me, he just seems to assume these Christians are going to do some things. At the very least, you'll notice with a little urging, he believes it will just happen. Now, remember, Paul is writing this to Christians in Rome, but I'm working off of the assumption, see what I did there, that this applies to all Christians. It should be a part of every Christian's life. These aren't the only things that should be a part of a Christian's life, but if we're staying true to just the text we're in, these are the things from Paul that I think should be a part of our life. If you happen to be here and you are not a Christian, don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, these aren't expectations for you. They just aren't. Like, we love you. We love it that you're here. Not only are you invited to be here, but you are welcome to be here, whether you ever believe what we believe. And today, I, I do think the good part is you're going to get to see what would be expected of you were you to put your faith in Jesus and, and follow him. Not maybe all the expectations. We're not talking about every part of faith today, but these should be a part of your life. But if you don't believe, uh, they don't apply to you. 
So as we read through this, I want us to remember this, this big idea. It was even hard to come up with a big idea because there's just not like one major theme. But here's what I want us to remember as we're reading this. It's on the screen if you want to write it down. What Paul assumed from Christians in the church, we should apply as Christians in the church. You're going to see some assumptions and what Paul assumed, we should just apply. So the question I want to answer today is this, what should we apply in the church? What should we apply in the church? Romans 15. We're going to read verses 23 through 25 and then I'm going to sum up the, the few verses through 29 because they don't necessarily apply to the assumption here, but we'll, we'll get there. Starting in verse 23 says this. But now, Paul speaking, I have finished my work in these regions, referring to the previous verses. He was sharing about all these different regions where he was starting churches and preaching the gospel in places that had never been preached. So I'm finished there. And after all these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. I am planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome, where they were. And after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, that's an assumption too, by the way, you can provide for my journey. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. And then through verse 29, he explains this gift that he collected an offering in Macedonia, Achaia, other places. And now they're going to give this gift to the church in Jerusalem. What stood out to me as a pastor, what Paul did here was so refreshing to this pastor. There was no explanation of this assumption. There, there was no apology for this assumption. Paul told them, I'm headed to Spain. On my way, I'll stop in Rome. I'll, I'll enjoy spending time with you. And then he just very clearly, very boldly spoke an assumption. It's, it's an assumption I wish we in the church could speak as boldly today in the church without feeling like we have to preface it with apologies and explanations. He didn't even ask for this. He just said it. Here it is on the screens. You can provide for my journey. You can provide. And then he just went on. And, and the journey he was talking about, by the way, was not a vacation to Maui. It was a ministry mission. So what Paul assumed from Christians in the church, we should just apply. And what should we apply as Christians, number one, you know where I'm going, is this, to provide for the ministry. I got some amens. Dude, that is awesome. I actually prepared to say I don't expect many amens, but I got some. So from those who said amen, keep it up. Because we need some believers who agree with this to say amen so other people know that I'm not the only one who believes in this, all right? So if you hear something you agree with, you can say Amen. Paul said, you can just provide for my journey. Now, please understand, this is where the explanation begins in the American church today. Paul was not asking this of people who didn't know him or trust him. He was not asking this of people who didn't believe in Jesus. And I would echo the same thing here. If you're here today and you are brand new to our church, I don't expect you at all to start giving to our church. We haven't built any trust with you. We've not proven uh, our ministry to you. So I'm not asking anything from you. And if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, by all means, you don't have to give either. So you, you're kind of off the hook with this as well. But for those of us who call Element Church our home, 
For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, like if this is the place where we are fed spiritually, if this is the place where we grow in our discipleship, if this is a place where we worship corporately and enjoy the fellowship of one another, then giving to God's work in this place, providing for the ministry that we partake in, that's something we should be doing. It should actually just be an assumption that we're doing this. And we should do it with gladness. That we should be happy to give to the place that we are being fed by spiritually here at the church. Like it or not, this is a part of our purpose. It's part of our purpose. And please hear me. Here's more explanation. (laughs) Financially, things are great right now at our church. I can tell you it's way easier to preach on giving when, when you're not desperate for the money to come in. I can tell you that. Like things are awesome right now. If you don't know, just a little background to how we do things around here. We budget very conservatively every year. Like every year, we're coming up here in October, we're going to be setting the budget for 2020. And every New Year's budget is based on 95% of the previous year's giving. So we don't budget in faith, believing God's going to bring in scores and scores of money. No, we say, what came in last year? Let's budget less than that, okay? The first 10% of every dollar we receive goes into a separate outreach account that can only be used for outreach in our community and God's kingdom around the world. The next 5% we put aside into a savings account that's there for emergencies and opportunities that God might bring our way that are outside of our budget. So we have a safety net there, if you will. So 95% of of last year's giving was this year's budget. The first 10 goes to outreach, the next five goes to savings, and then we minister on the rest. And just so you know, here is our weekly budget need at Element. $33,605. Of that, the first 10% goes to outreach, the next 5% goes to savings, and we minister on the rest. The great news is, here is our current weekly average offering, $37,405, which is awesome, yeah. That is the highest average offering in the history of our church, okay, which is awesome. And so I'll explain a little bit what we do with the excess here, here in a moment. That's amazing. So for those of you who sacrificially and generously give to God here at Element Church, thank you so much, as Pastor Andy said earlier, for, being, for, for leading the way in, in generosity. We literally couldn't do what we do without God's people giving here. But here's a challenge I have for some of us. Don't let those numbers make you say this. Well, why should I give? I mean, they're already bringing in more than what the weekly need is. First of all, understand the weekly need is not based on what we would like to do or even what we feel we need to do. It's based on 95% of what we gave last year. (laughs) Okay, that's first of all. We, We have way more vision and way more need than we have resources. I'll tell you that. There's always more we could do or even can do, uh, we'd like to do. Beyond that, though, deeper than that, our giving to God through the church we're a part of should never be based on need. Never. That, yes, uh, without giving, without generosity, we could not have church. We couldn't have it like the way we do anyway. We wouldn't all fit into anybody's house in this this congregation. So so we couldn't do it. But, But our giving should not be based on need. Ultimately, our giving is actually rooted in the theme verse for our series. 
Romans 11, verse 36, I'm telling you, that verse applies to every area of our life. We're gonna break it down here. Chicka, chicka, we're gonna break it down. That's my DJ Jazzy Jeff impersonation right there. So here we go. For everything comes from him. That includes money. It all belongs to God. All of it. And there are dozens of scriptures we could go to. Look at this. I'll give you one. Psalm 24, 1. For, for, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. So I first of all give because God owns it all. For everything comes from him and exists by his power. That the only reason I have any money is because God gave it to me. It exists in my possession by his power. So the second reason I give is God gave it to me for in the first place. In fact, King David in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, he was collecting money to build the temple, the church of God. King David said this, but, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you and we give you only what you first gave us. It exists by God's power and it's intended for his glory. So the money I have is intended to bring God glory. And there is no greater way to honor God than by giving back to him in an act of worship through the local church that I attend. And many places we could go there as well. Proverbs 3 verse 9 is one of them. Honor or worship the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you Produce. I would even boldly say, I have not truly worshipped. I've not truly worshipped God until I've surrendered my wallet to him. That if God does not have control of my money, he does not have control of my heart. Because Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now personally, when it comes to giving, I'm about to say a, a word that's a four-letter word in the church, I do believe in the principle of the tithe, okay? It's all through scripture. And the word tithe, I practice it, I believe in it. it, it tithe means 10th or 10%. It's the first 10% of everything I produce through my labor. I give back to God as a sign of saying, you own it all. You gave me some. So as a way to worship you and a sign that I trust you, here's the first 10% back to you, the first, the best portion to honor and worship you. This comes from uh, all sorts of places in the Bible. The most famous ones, Malachi 3, verse 10. It says this, God speaking through Malachi, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's the church. So there will be enough food in my temple to provide for the ministry. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It's the only place in all the Bible where God says you can test me and it has to do with our giving to him through the church. Now listen, this is not my idea. It's God's idea. And I've never known anyone, including myself, who has surrendered themselves to the practice and principle of the tithe and regretted it. I've never known anyone who has truly surrendered to that and regret it. But I know, okay, I know for many people, this is a giant leap from where you are. I do believe anyone can do this. I believe that. 
You might have to change your standard of giving or living to change your standard of giving, okay, to get there. But I believe anyone can do it. But, but, please, please don't let the idea of 10% keep you from giving anything at all. Start somewhere, but don't stay there. Have a plan to grow your giving. That's for all of us. Have a plan to grow your giving. Paul just, I loved it. He just said, hey, I'm going to show up and you can provide for my journey. No apologies, no explanations. What Paul assumed from Christians in the church, we should apply as Christians. What should we apply? To provide for the ministry. But please remember, please, 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 please. It's not ultimately about providing for the ministry. I want us to honor God with our giving. And when we all honor God with our giving, a byproduct is the ministries provided for. But it starts with honoring God. And I want you to honor God and I want me to honor God. Romans 15, 30 and 31 then says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. So now he's kind of urging them, but still no command. Do this because of your love for me. That's a big assumption. You guys really love me, so you should do this. Given to you by the Holy Spirit, pray that I'll be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. So the second thing we should apply is way easier than the giving part. Number two is this, to pray for the ministry. It's an assumption from Paul. Hey, would you just pray for the ministry? Would you pray for it? Paul assumed with a little urging that people would pray. And he shared some specific things to pray for here. So I thought as your pastor, it might be helpful for us to share a few things with you that I'm praying for in our church and ask you or urge you to join me. So is that okay if I share a few things with you? There there are so many things I could tell you about that I'm praying for, like specific things, big things, God-sized things, Uh, things like I we, we, by the way, we have a plan to pay off the debt we have as a church. We have just under $4 million of debt, if you don't know, that, that purchased this entire property that we sit on and the remodel to, to have this beautiful facility that we worship in. So we, we have a plan. We're, we're, we're paying it off as we go. Uh, even we're, we're paying about $10,000 extra a month on principal payments. That comes some from that excess you see there in the weekly need. So, you know, we're trying to dial in on that. But even though we have a plan, I am praying that God speeds up that plan by sending someone to pay off our debt. It's happened at other churches. Wouldn't that be sweet? Like someone walk in and be like, hey, I just want to pay off your debt. I'm praying for it. Okay. That, that's, you, can, you can join me in that. That's, that's, that's one thing. I, I, I'm praying that we would see 50% of our adult attendance involved in small groups. I believe we, uh, we grow best in community, in connection. And we don't have, I think, where we should be. And so I'm praying we got 50%. I'm praying that God would, would raise up more volunteers in our church. Because as Jesus said in Luke 10 too, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into your field. So I'm praying God raise up more volunteers as we continue to, to reach people. I'm praying for, for all those things and many more, but those aren't the ones I want to even share with you. If I had to give the top five things, the most important things, I'm praying for as a church. Here they are. They're going to be on the screens. Take a picture, write them down, whatever you got to do. Please join me in these. Number one, 
This is the most important prayer in my life. That we would never lose a staff member due to immorality. It seems like monthly. There's a new story of a high-profile ministry leader who lost everything because of a major moral failure. We have very high standards for our staff, and we have very high levels of accountability, but that does not mean any of us are immune to sin. And so I'm praying, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I pray that you would enable us, your leaders, to live with integrity, that we would never, ever lose a staff member due to immorality. Join me in that. Second thing, that we would be united in thought and purpose. There is nothing that destroys a church quicker more than division. And there is nothing that advances a church greater than unity. Not, I preached on this a few weeks ago, not united in preference and practice. That's impossible. But united in thought and purpose. Lord, unite us together in thought and purpose. Number three, that God would bring us people that nobody else wants or people who believe that nobody would want them and then give us the power to love them like you do, God. That's probably the thing we pray the most as a staff. Every Tuesday, we gather together, we pray over the needs that you submit to the church and we just pray in general for the ministry. That's probably the one that comes up the most. God, bring us people that nobody else wants or who believe nobody would want them and we're gonna do our best to love them like you. I wanna be a church that's known for loving people like that. Join us in that prayer. Number four that God would use our church to save people and set them apart by faith in him. No matter how big or small our church ever is, if we lose sight of that, we've lost sight. That the mission of the church set forth by Jesus is to reach more people for him and raise them up to be like him, to save, to, to have people get saved here and set apart by faith in him. And number five, that God's presence and power would not only be in the church, but be evident through the church. Without God's presence and power, we're just playing a game. We're wasting an hour of your week if God's presence and power is not in and through this place. And so, Lord, would you just be evident in your spirit? in this place. What if we each took five minutes a week, just five minutes, and took one minute to pray for each of those five things? Five minutes. As your pastor, as Paul did, I urge you to join me in the struggle by praying for this ministry. Set a reminder on your phone for a certain time on a certain day and pause for five minutes. Can you do that? That's an easy next step. Pause for five minutes and pray for those five things. Romans 15, 32 through 33. Then, Paul says, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart. And we, all of us, we will be an encouragement to each other. That's a giant assumption. And now may God who gives us his peace be with you all. Amen. So the third thing we've got to apply is this, to bring peace in the ministry. Provide for the ministry, pray for the ministry, to bring peace in the ministry. Paul said, when I get there, we're going to encourage one another. Wouldn't it be awesome? And, and I'm not saying we don't already have this, 
But wouldn't it be be awesome if it was just assumed that when someone walks in this place, they would be encouraged? That we would encourage one another. That we'd lift one another up. But it's, it's even deeper than just encouraging one another. The word encouragement in, in the Greek language is on the screens here. Here's the word encouragement in the Greek. Uh, I put the, the phonetic spelling there with you. I have no idea how to say it. I think it's soon I'm going to pee my pants or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but that, that one word is formed from two other Greek words. The, the two Greek, other Greek words, one of them means identified with, and the other one means pause completely. And when you combine these words together, we see encourage in the English language, but it actually means this, to pause together and be refreshed. Isn't that awesome? That when we get together, we're going to pause together and be refreshed. Does that not sound peaceful? Anybody need some refreshing in their life on a weekly basis? Paul was like, man, I've been, I've been traveling all over the region. I've been given my, my time starting new churches for the gospel, reaching new people with the gospel. But when I, when I come to Rome, when I come and visit you, yes, we're going to still present and preach uh, the gospel, but we're also going to pause together. And we're going to be refreshed. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to bring peace into the ministry. And listen, I, I couldn't plan this if I tried. This, this series was planned months ago. This outline with my three points as they are was planned seven weeks ago. But in the last two weeks, God has been redirecting our church a little bit. And this week, our leadership made a pretty big decision that fits perfectly into this point here. I literally couldn't plan this. 2018 was a year of great growth for our church, numerically, attendance-wise. In fact, we were trending so much towards even more growth that after much prayer and, and planning and counsel, you guys know, we, we decided to add a fourth service to our regular Sunday morning schedule, 8.30, 10, 11.30, and then 6 p.m. And the whole church, man, like everybody, we rallied together to accomplish this task. New volunteers stepped up. Current volunteers kind of stretched themselves all over. Staff and volunteer leaders, they worked hard to make it happen. I, 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 as your pastor, I was and I am so, so proud of our church for how you fought for this, to, to reach more, more people. Like if you are a volunteer here, you got to know that what you do matters. It's one of our core values. It matters that no matter what you do in the church, it matters for you and it matters for the church. It matters. Well, now almost a year into this thing, we, we haven't really grown. <laughs> That's kind of a problem. In fact, when you look at our average attendance, we are almost exactly the same spot we were a year ago. In fact, we are almost exactly 1% down from where we were last year. On top of that, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to our ministry directors on staff as well as our volunteer leaders and teams. It's very apparent that the Sunday morning schedule we were in, the one where we were going back to back to back with four services, especially the ones in the morning, uh, and, and, and we, were gonna, we were announcing we're going back to this on September 8th, that was wearing teams out. It's wearing people out. And 
You know, we had that 8.30 to 11.30 in the morning. Like the 6 p.m. is kind of a standalone thing, but those morning services, it was leaving little to no room, no time for connection, for ministry, for prayer, for training, not only for our teams, but even sometimes for people in need. We had another service was just coming down the tracks right at us. And so if, if the four services was actually like growing like gangbusters, we'd probably work really hard to find some solutions to those other connection problems. But when it's not growing, it doesn't seem to make sense to press even harder to reach more people at the expense of the people we've already reached. Okay? It feels like that's what we were doing. Kind of spinning our, our wheels and all we're doing is slinging mud. So at our, at our current pace, we didn't feel like it was healthy for our volunteers or for the ministry in general. It, it wasn't bringing peace to the ministry. It was doing the opposite. It was like causing some chaos and dysfunction. And I don't, we don't want that. We don't want that. So instead of bringing back that fourth service on September 8th, like we had planned, we decided to go back to our old schedule. So on Sunday, September 8th, um, and we're going to go back to 9 and 11 a.m. and then 6 p.m. on Sunday night. And just so you're aware, outside of a few scenarios throughout the year that might require the sermon be on video, so outside of those few occasions, we'll be preaching live in every service every single week. We won't need to use video because we don't have the fourth service. This means we are planning on having less room in the Sunday morning services. Okay? <laughs> especially the 11 a.m. service, but really at 9-11, they were almost equal in that, that old setting. So during the highest attended months of the year, uh, like October through December and February through April, during those high attended months, we're gonna squeeze everybody in, okay? But is that really a bad problem to have? No. That there's so many people coming, we gotta squeeze them in, oh no. So just be patient with us, all right? We're already working on some solutions to how we can actually get more people in here and squeeze more people in. Even the use of the curtains you see today is trying to get us used to squeezing in so that we can open those, you know, open the room up as the room fills up during, during the services. Be patient with us as we kind of work on some solutions to how this might work out. Also, I'll say this. Our 6 p.m. service is by far the least attended service of the day. It has the most room, by far. Like, Almost 60 to 70% of the room is unused at 6 p.m. service, okay? And you, if you are a believer here who calls Element Church home, you can literally be a partner with our vision by giving up your seat on Sunday for someone who may not know Jesus to attend on Sunday because you are Sunday night because you already do. Most of our guests come in the morning. Most of our space is in the evening. So I would just ask you to consider just consider, would you attend on Sunday night? And I'll even say this, I don't care if you attend for selfish reasons. I don't like crowds. Great, there's less people Sunday night. Come on out. <laughs> How's that for a marketing pitch? Our vision at Element remains the same. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest. And life to its fullest is only found by faith in Jesus Christ alone, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. We exist to connect people into meaningful relationships 
That was really the biggest reason why we're making this shift. Connection, we felt like, was a, a hindrance with our schedule and to make a lasting impact. It's still our vision. It's still what we're going to do. It's still what we're going to be about. We're just making a slight change to the schedule. So what Paul assumed we should apply. What should we apply? To provide. Right, start somewhere, but don't stay there with your giving. To pray. I gave you five specific things to pray for. If you want to pay off our debt and you have those means, by all means, talk to me after the service. It'd be awesome to announce next week, hey, somebody paid off the debt. How cool would that be? <laughs> it can happen, I'm telling you. And number three, we want to bring peace. And sometimes we make decisions to bring peace, and sometimes individually we bring peace. But I hope, church, that we would say when we come to this place, man, we're going to encourage one another. We're going to encourage. We're going to pause together and be refreshed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, man, please let us know. We, we just want to talk to you about that. We just want to talk to you about what it means to put your faith in Jesus. We, wanna, we want to help guide you to experience life, to get connected, to make an impact. That is your purpose. God's glory gives us a purpose. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are good to us. We thank you, Lord, that you, even in apparent assumptions in Scripture, you can teach us truth to apply to our lives. Lord, help us apply these things. Help us live them out in our individual lives, in our church, Lord. Help us as we now move forward into a kind of a new season, a new schedule again, Lord. Unify us together by the power of your Spirit. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are new, stop by the living room before you go. Remind you of that. We want to uh, share some stuff with you there. If you need prayer for anything, stop by the purple tent all the way in the back of the auditorium, and a prayer team member will pray for you as long uh, as, as we need to do that. Other than that, I love you guys so much. Next week's message is really unique. I'm so excited for it. We're going to keep talking about purpose. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed.